Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. How about that praise team? Faithful every week. What a blessing. <laughs> How's everybody doing? Oh, wow, you're all comatose. That should be exciting today. <laughs> I'm assuming man walking down the sidewalk and he comes across a sign that says talking dog for sale. He's intrigued. So he walks up to the door, knocks on the door and he asks the dog, so what have you done with your life? And the dog says, well, started off in the Alps saving people most of my young life. And then from there I served my country in Iraq. And enjoyed that, and now I just go to the retirement community and read to the elderly. It's been a rich and full life. And the guy's like blown away. And he goes to the owner, he's like, why in the world would you get rid of this dog? And the owner looks at him sternly and says, he's a liar. He's not done any of those things. <laughs> it's a talking dog, people. Come on. <laughs> That's crazy. Sometimes we miss the point on stuff, right? <laughs> Christian character can be like that as well, as far as like how we pick it up. Uh, I think sometimes we believe that, you know, just kind of going to church and hanging around our brothers and sisters in Christ, we're going to just kind of become different. And um, that's really not how it works. Um, several of the songs we sang today, it's, it's about us making a, a decision, changing our heart, inviting God into things. Um, it, it's really a relationship with God, and there's actually things we need to do uh, that are going to enable that to happen. And not only enable it to happen, enable it to happen faster. I mean, I think sometimes you can hang around the Christian community, and yeah, you'll change some, and it'll happen eventually. But why would you want to wait to be more like Christ? Why wouldn't you want to surrender to the Lord and take that time to, okay, spend time with him and become like him? And that's kind of what we're going to look at a little bit today. Um, it was funny, I kind of was looking over the last few messages I had and was like, they were a little bit kind of like, eh, 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 eh. so I thought, well, let's do something a little more encouraging <laughs> this time. And so it's kind of putting things on of Christian character. We're not going to look at the put off side. I'm going to leave that up to you at some point. You're going to have to go back and read what we're supposed to put off. But today we're going to look at what we're supposed to put on and how we're supposed to live like Christians. Uh, if you want to follow along, there's some uh, Bible no, wait, there are Bibles in the chairs. There we go. Um, and we'll be in Colossians 3 this morning, page 1354. But before we begin, I really want to take a moment again to pray. Um, because I don't want to just go through the exercise of Bible study this morning. I want you to meet with the Lord. I want you to connect with Him in a way where you are hearing from him. Yeah, it might be through me or it's going to be definitely through his word. But don't miss meeting with him today. Because that's what we're here to do. So please pray with me. 
Father, as we come before you, I ask, Father, that hearts and minds would be prepared. Lord, that distractions would be eliminated completely, that things that are weighing heavy, things that are overwhelming, Lord, that those things could be pushed aside in the sense of true interaction with you takes place this morning. That as we hear your word and kind of wrestle with it, that we would see the things that are going to be necessary to adapt in our lives so that we become more like you, so that we hear from you, so that we can walk in ways that are going to bring blessing and joy and peace. And Lord, that we would be willing to invite you in in a profound way so that we can walk this Christian life with better understanding. Uh, we're going to trust you to work this morning, and we're going to submit all this, these things to you now in Christ's name. Amen. So the Colossians had a problem, and that's Paul's focus particularly in this letter to the Colossians. The Colossian Christians were on the verge of losing their understanding of the power by which the Christian life is lived. And I think that, that can happen to all of us. This letter provides Paul's explanation of the power and joy that God provides for living the Christian life. Now, possible outline, just in case you're interested. Uh, the first two chapters, Colossians 1 and 2, Christ the head of creation and the head of the church. And you can be broken down by the intro and prayer for the Colossians, Christ the head of creation, Christ the head of the church, and then our freedom in Christ. And then the second part would be Colossians 3 and 4, submission to Christ the head. Uh, the part that we're not going to look at specifically today would be putting off the old self. The part we will look at today is putting on the new self. And then there's a conclusion. And just to give you a little bit of insight, Colossians 3, 1 through 11 challenges you to remember who you were. Because it's like before Christ, we were different people. For sure. Christ is to replace all the carnal elements that permeated your life by putting things to death, putting things out of your life, taking them off, so to speak, and then putting certain character qualities on, which is what we're going to focus on today. Now, it's not enough that we cease to do evil. We must learn to do well. Let me say that again. It's not enough that we just cease to do evil. Because it's like we're supposed to have impact. We're supposed to have involvement in our community, in our world. And so it's like just not doing some things doesn't have the same impact as bringing Christ to the people, bringing Christ to our neighborhood, bringing Christ to the workplace, bringing Christ to these situations that we come up with. Now, it's also not enough that we cease to do harm toward others but we must learn to impact others positively. Dare I say, bless them. <laughs> so hopefully you'll see that kind of as our jumping off point this morning. And hold on tight because we're going to jump off right now. So if you go all the way down Colossians 3, verse 12 is where we're going to start. God's people are called to serve like Jesus. And it's like, it's easy for us to say, well, we're not Jesus. We can't do that. And so then we definitely disregard, you know, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So it's like, we've got to start believing all this text we're reading and studying, right? <laughs> so it's like, we can do all things. So we can serve like Christ. Now, don't forget, God has chosen the Gentiles 
and call them to the same privileges as the Jews. And the cool part about that is, is God has invited us into this. And as we look at the relationship God wants with us, he wants something with depth and breath and something that has just meat toward it. He just doesn't want us to be this kind of fair weather kind of, yeah, I know God, but I don't know anything about him. And, and part of that comes as we start to serve with him. See, sometimes we can get caught up in serving for him. Like, I know I'll do this for God or I'll do that for God. But he wants us to serve with him so that he's leading us and directing us and guiding us in these things. And so it's not, you know, sometimes I think we can get hung up in just, okay, what does God want me to do and what can I do for him? And we just start doing these random things and then it doesn't end up doing what we thought it would do and we get discouraged. But God's saying, no, 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 hold on. I want you to serve like Christ served, but guess how he did that? He did that with me. We did that together so that he's directing, he's leading, he's guiding. And guess what? When that starts to happen in your life, unbelievable things start to happen. Doors start to open. Situations reveal themselves. And not only that, oftentimes we're challenged or pushed to do things we wouldn't normally do. And so that's kind of where we're moving toward. So God's people are called to serve like Jesus. Verse 12. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Let's unpack that first part of verse 12 because it's like, I think we oftentimes gloss over those kinds of things. As the elect of God, holy and beloved. Did you walk in here today feeling that way? I'm the elect of God. I am holy and beloved. Life beats us up. I don't know about you. Life beats me up oftentimes. And it's like you can get to the end of the week and you can think, oh, what's it all for? <laughs> well, what do we do this all for? It's easy to be there. And I, you know, we have to remind ourselves who we are in Christ. And realize that there's so much more to the things that we do and the events that we're part of than just getting through them. That's one thing that frustrates me. You know, there are, there are things that I do sometimes that I just, you know, I, I just want to get to the other side. <laughs> just help me get to the other side. And it's, the only problem with that is, is you miss out on whatever God has in that situation for you. Because I'm certain that Christ was very specific in how he said things, how he did things, and how he served. And so when we're serving like Christ, it's, it's more than just being obedient. We see ourselves as the hands of God, the feet of God. And that's what he wants for his people. I mean, think about it. We're his sons, we're his daughters. He wants us to behave like him, to be identified as part of his family. And the world outside, they just see people sometimes. So we have to live in such a way where it's obvious we're different. But in a positive way, not in a cuckoo crazy way. <laughs> 
I'm often, ta- often reminded of Matthew 20, 28a, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And it's like, that's what we're called to do as well. Uh, we're to serve others in such a way that it's going to startle people when you treat them differently. It's going to startle people when you show love and care instead of criticism and tearing someone down. People aren't are used to being built up. People are used to being encouraged. And so when we do that in a loving and caring way, people are going to go, why are you like that? And guess what that does? Opens opportunity to speak for Christ. And we start serving like him. Now, interestingly enough, we've got a whole list here of things that we are to put on. And this idea of putting this on, there's this garment kind of feel to it. And it's, it's interesting, when we get to the next phase of this, so to speak, um, it'll make a little bit more sense. But putting on these things, and, you know, I'm guessing when you dressed this morning, no one had a Cinderella moment where the birds and the mice dressed you, right? That didn't happen to anybody this morning? No, okay. I, you actually put on your clothes, I'm going to guess. Everyone's dressed. Kudos. <laughs> we like that when you're dressed. So it's like, I'm going to guess you chose some things and you put them on. And, and this is kind of what we're supposed to do here. See, God wants involvement. He wants participation. He wants us to realize that, okay, this needs to come on to my life. This needs to be part of my life. And it's one of those things where when we start to challenge ourselves in that positive way, we start to become the men and women of God that God has called us to be, designed us to be. This idea, and these are interactive and outward behaviors that he's asking or called us to put on. Tender mercies. And really, the word means outward acts according to our ability. And I, see, even in, even in what God's calling us to, it's like he's not unreasonable. You know, we all have very specific skills, very specific talents. And all he's asking is, share them. Share them with people. Get involved in other people's lives and bless them with this gift I've given you, these talents I've given you. So it's not even like really, he's not even calling us out of this box. He's just saying, use it. Just beyond yourself. Tender mercies, kindness. When was the last time you actually experienced kindness from someone? (laughs) I'll tell you, it's like, you know, we're trying to work on phone service because something has gone awry. And it's like, I don't know, customer service people? I don't think kindness is part of their training because it's like, it's crazy. But some, every once in a while, you'll get somebody who's nice and you're like taken off guard, right? It's like, oh, you're, you're nice. What happened? <laughs> Did I call the wrong number? Did I get the right place? But think about if, if our interactions with people are tender mercies and kindness and we're able to bless them in a way that they're not used to. It's going to open the door. It's going to provide an opportunity for us to be a witness. It's like, you know, why are you so patiently waiting on hold for an hour and a half? Well, that's, <laughs> here we are. Because <laughs> God asked me to be kind <laughs> to people like you. Humility. A modest estimation of self. And again, humility is not tearing yourself down. It's just being real about who you are. 
Because sometimes we think, you know, well, humility is, oh, I, I'm, I'm this awful person. I'm this, ugh. And, and it's, he, all God is asking us to do is just be real. Be real about who you are. Be real about what you struggle with. Be real about these things in your life. Don't try to, you know, live in pretense. Because it's like when we're real with people, guess what? We have real connections. And people feel like they can be open and honest. And they can talk about things that they normally wouldn't talk about. Because we're humble. Meek. And this is one of those words where everybody has a hard time really getting their, their arms around it. Because they think, you know, meek is this mealy mouth little like, uh, I'm, a, I'm a doormat and I, just, I won't do anything and I don't defend myself. And that's not what meekness is at all. It's really strength under control. Anger moderation. <laughs> That's really meekness. Meekness, you know, in the face of where you just want to go, Aah! and you go, okay, I understand what you're saying. I'll call back in an hour. <laughs> and your testimony and your witness is something that's unmaintained because you've been meek and you've not gone off the rails. Long-suffering, patience, I struggle with that. Oh my goodness, I struggle with long-suffering. Oh, it's so hard. It's like, you know, just be right now. Do good now. Why can't it happen just like this? Right, and we all struggle with that. Otherwise, you know, none of us would own microwaves. We want that meal now. I'm hangry. Long-suffering is, it's, it's challenging. But we're called to it. And it's supposed to be part of our Christian character. And so we need to work on those things. And then lastly, and here's where it starts to really get challenging. Bearing with one another. Forgiving one another. As Christ forgave you, so you must also do. And so now we're talking about the relationships we have. And again, it's not being the doormat, it's not getting taken advantage of, it's not being abused, but it is at least loving someone enough to put up with them, to bear with them, to understand their circumstances or their, their lack of understanding or whatever the case may be. And it's, you know, it's challenging. I think we struggle, especially with the unsaved world, we expect them to act saved and they're never going to do that. It's never going to happen. You know, if we look at uh, the unsaved world and think, you know, why aren't they kind? Why aren't they this? They're not saved. <laughs> they struggle with that stuff. I mean, we struggle with it and we are. But then again, it's, it's challenging and I don't want you to miss this because I think sometimes when we couch it in terms like, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. It's like, well, he was God and he, did, and he could do this. And it's like, well... Put the brakes on a minute. If you've trusted Christ as Savior and you're trusting in his resurrected life, it's because he chose on the front end to die for you. On the front end. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In our sin, he died for us. And he's just asking us to do the same. Be that willing to forgive not demanding something from someone else just to say, I don't know what that person's problem is, but I'm going to let go of the debt they owe me. 
because that's what Christ did for us. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if there was a whole bunch of hoops that we had to jump through to be believers in Christ? How much uncertainty and security and just frustration there could be in the Christian life? But that's not what he did. And all he's asking is for us to do the same thing that we've experienced in our life, to be forgiven in a simple way. So God's people are called to serve like Jesus. We're to manifest heaven in our everyday situations. A guy named Stedman said that, and I really liked it. Can you imagine if we could kind of give people a preview of heaven now just by the way we interacted with them? How cool would that be? It's possible, I think. You know, you're like, you think a lot of stuff and you're nuts. <laughs> and maybe I am, I don't know. I'm pretty idealistic. I tend to lean that way. Positive, happy, upbeat. But I think that if, if as, as Christians, if the church as whole, the global church, would start to put these things in our daily living and kind of brought them to life every day and who we interacted with and how we did that, would people not see Christ in us? Would they not experience a different situation than what's out there right now? And I don't know about you, but I don't think things are getting any better immediately. But I think at least we can start the change. You can start the change by putting these things on in your life. So much of it starts with choice. And I was reminded when I was kind of this whole aspect of serving one another. And uh, several years ago, we went to World Life <laughs> to something called Man Camp, which is a riot. But anyway, um, and there was a group of Navy SEALs that were there. And they were, you know, different ones of them were speakers and whatnot. And um, it was interesting to kind of see how they interacted with the group uh, during kind of the social time when things were just kind of, you know, people were just kind of hanging out, whatever. And there was this one guy, he always made it a point to try to bring in the guys that were kind of on the periphery. You know, if he saw somebody kind of, you know, on the fringe or just kind of not participating or whatever, he always would grab them and kind of bring them into a group. Try to include this one, try to include that one, try to get into their life, try to understand them better. And, and I think there has to be that same kind of interaction in our life as we kind of try to be like Christ. Because isolation is dangerous. And, and we have to be on the lookout for people who are isolating and on the fringes of this life. And I think we have opportunities that we can include them and we can bring them into a situation. And we can change what's going on there for them. But again, it, it takes time, it takes effort, it takes putting on these things and understanding that we can look to serve people around us but it's challenging, I understand. We can get caught up in our schedule, we can get caught up in how busy life is, we can get caught up in racing, 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 and miss opportunities to serve. So we have to be looking for them. We have to ask, you know, ask the Lord, show me, don't let me miss the opportunities so that we can get involved and become more like him. A couple questions before we move on. How would people characterize your daily interactions. Just think about it. 
What would someone on the outside looking in say, hmm, who are you? Which of these come more easily for you? And I'm talking about tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. Which ones come easily? Which ones take more effort? Because it can be challenging. I get it. So God's people are called to serve like Jesus. Next, God's people are called to love like Jesus. And it's like, I know you're thinking, oh, come on. <laughs> Verse 14 says, but above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule. And that word rule there is really kind of be the empire. Rule in your hearts, to which you are also called in one body, and be thankful. It's funny, I don't know about you, do you ever hear like different voices and intonations when you read? <laughs> I don't know, maybe it's just me, but it does, because it's like, you know, I, at this verse 15, it says, you know, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you are also called in one body. Be thankful. <laughs> Be thankful. And it's like, I think it's one of those things where it's like, we forget that that's what we're called to do. Be thankful. But before I get down there and kind of go on that, it's interesting, uh, kind of unpacking the first part of verse 14 there, it says, but above all. And immediately you read that, you kind of think, all right, this is important. And that's what he's saying, but above all. It has to do with importance. And it does, but not in the way we think. Because the way th this phraseology and whatnot is put together, this but above all has to do with kind of an outward covering, kind of like an overcoat or something that would be on the outside. And so it's one of those things where, but above all, on the outside, the thing that people are going to see first should be love from us. Now I'm reminded of 1 Corinthians 13:1, right? Paul challenges us. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but have not love, I am noisy, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And it's like, I don't, know, I don't know, how many of you would say, yes, I've encountered one of those Christian noisy gongs or clanging cymbals? How many would say, yeah, I've, I've interacted. <laughs> yes. Ugh. Love has got to be the thread that, that builds that garment together. We can be honest and we can be true and we can be ruthless. That's, why, that's where love comes in and changes that for the message. We're called to love like Jesus. Now, this word love has a social and moral sense to it. Um, the, and the idea of this outermost layer, this overcoat, this thing that is seen first uh, and noticed by all. Now, there's a couple of different ways you can look at it. There's this brotherly affection, which all Christians need to bear to one another. Um, in Christ, with grace, or a gracious propensity of heart toward our neighbor, whereby we will and do the best to attain only good for them. And again, it's, it, this is an outward thing. This is something we're supposed to be doing and allowing people to experience because we are believers. This is Christian character that we're supposed to be putting on and adapting to. Uh, Burkett presents this idea. 
The meaning is that love is the most perfect bond of union among Christians. It knits together all the scattered members of the church and makes their graces and gifts subservient to the good of one another, so that the church is hereby made a complete entire body, which was lame without it. In this sense, love is called the bond of perfectness. And so it's like as it builds us together, as it clings to us and unites us together, as it goes out into the world, it becomes something so obvious and so clear that it creates this questioning for people. How does that work? How does that happen? And I, you know, I, I'm always looking at the other side, looking at the other side. When was the last time you felt loved? That you were convinced that, oh, I am loved based on how somebody interacted with you. How they cared for you. Maybe it was a note, maybe it was a phone call, maybe it was just a word, maybe it was just a glance, maybe it was just standing beside you and empathizing. It has a profound impact on people. And it's, it's truly something simple. Loving one another, caring for one another. And the return on investment is unbelievable. When you can help someone understand love, help someone understand what you're trying to do, the return is unbelievable because it changes a person's thinking. It changes a person's heart. And we have that opportunity to be involved that way with God. Put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Not just some band-aid kind of peace. A perfect peace that provides quiet, rest, and being set at one. So this whole idea of being, you know, inwardly at rest. Being still all the way into the soul. So that when unrestrained affections come up and hurry, and when we're anger, angry and frustrated, and that revenge, <laughs> that vengefulness starts to rise. His peace calms us and settles us. That's the peace of God. And that's available to us. But guess what? We have to put it on. We have to allow it in. I mean, I so appreciate God's graciousness. You know, it's, it, it is like going into a closet and God says, all of this stuff is available to you. But you've got to walk in and take it. He doesn't just throw it at you. He doesn't demand that you, you live this way. He wants you to understand that I love you. I care about you. I want the best for you. And if you take these things, they will provide unbelievable benefit in your life. But you have got to believe that. You have got to embrace these things. You have got to take these things. Because you trust me. Because you love me. Because you know I only have the best in sight for you. And so this peace of God, sometimes we think, I don't have peace, I don't have peace. I've prayed for peace, I've prayed for peace. And sometimes it's just a matter of we have not 
gone into the closet and put this on and allowed God to work. That's all a part of understanding loving like Jesus. And be thankful. <laughs> and be thankful. Grateful. Looking at what you do have versus what you do not have. Um, there was a song that was written, or that was kind of put out there by Psalm, based on Psalm 104. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. And it's just that, you know, I hear that song in my head and I think, you know, party. It's a party. You know, it's like, and we don't live our life like a party. <laughs> It's sometimes a drudgery. It's sometimes like, oh, another day I've got to get through. It's like, as Christians, we shouldn't be there. But I understand. I've had chapters in my life where I feel like I'm just trying to get through today. I'm just trying to get through this week. But guess what changes my mind? Looking for God working in my life and being thankful. God's provided this. God's provided that. He, good health, good family situations, my church. And looking for those things that I do have and are in my life. Because guess what? When you focus on those things, you're not focused on what you don't have or what you th think you need. And it's a different perspective. So, a couple questions before we move on. When people look at you, is love the first thing they think of? Or is there something else? Dun, dun, dun. It's hard to self-evaluate. It really is. I, I've done that sometimes and gone, oh man, I, I bet that person thinks I'm a horrible person based on the interaction I just had with them. It's crazy. And it's like you never know, you know who's going to come back into your life in a different way. Oh, I remember you. You were that cranky guy. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was. Is the peace of God ruling in your heart? Or has that been replaced by hurt, vengeance, and bitterness? And I say that not because we're awful people, but we're hurt on a regular basis by this world. We have to remember there's an enemy that's trying to take us out and trying to keep us back and trying to defeat our victory in Christ. And so hurt, vengeance, bitterness, those things come in because it's like the enemy, if he can use those things and take us down, he wins. And God's going, no, 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 no. Put these things on and those things won't even be an issue. Do this and you can forget about those things. Trust me, believe me, walk in my ways. And trust me, the peace of God ruling in your heart, much better than hurt, vengeance, or bitterness. By far, by far. All right, we're on the home stretch. Here we go. God's people are called to think like Jesus. Verse 16, it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts, to the Lord. 
And I don't know about you, but have you seen? <laughs> to me, it's just like, there's a happy progression here. We're getting happier, happier, more excited, more excited, because guess what? When the work of God starts working in you, it's exciting. Do you ever see people who are whistling and singing, and they're like, yeah, 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 my life is great. No, no, usually if they're whistling and happy, they're, they're happy people. They're joyful people because these things are going on in their life. And that's what we want. That's what God's called us to. And Psalm 119, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. It's allowing the word to dwell. And again, it's the living word is going to produce stuff. Right? God's word is living. It's the living word. And so when it dwells in our heart, when we hide it in our heart, it produces fruit in our life. It changes who we are. It challenges our thinking. And it becomes more fulfilling in us. But we've got to put it there. You know, you can think about how much stuff you want in your refrigerator, all you want, but until you go shopping and actually put it in there, it's not going to show up. It just doesn't. And again, we've got to get involved in this process. God's not just going to, you know, I've got all this stuff for you. Here you go. Because he doesn't work that way. He wants us to understand. These things need to be brought in. These things need to be embraced. These things need to happen. And we've got to be involved. Think about how many times the Lord went and prayed and spent time with his father to understand what was happening and to prepare himself and to know what was needed. Countless, countless times. That's thinking like Jesus. We cannot just do these things on our own. We cannot think that we're just going to go off in our own little world and God's going to go, oh, let me bless you in all this craziness. No, it doesn't work that way. Christ came under the Father and he submitted himself to him and walked in that path. And sometimes that path is crazy hard. Thank God we are not called to the cross. Christ did that for us. But we still have to surrender to what it did and how it works in our life. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. The holy scriptures, the word of Christ. Christ is their author. Christ is their object. Christ is is their end. And the only way we're going to think like him is to be involved with it and let it to sink in and to dwell there. Don't just study it. You know, it's, it's, you know the picture we get, right, is we're supposed to eat the word, as bizarre as that sounds. <laughs> but because, you know, what we eat becomes part of who we are. And so that's the whole idea of meditation, Chewing on it, thinking about it, letting it permeate every cell of who we are and change who we are so that we can think like Christ. And this idea of dwelling, taking up a fixed residence. And the cool part, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing with grace. And again, singing people are usually happy people. And that's where, let me challenge you. You know, we're worshiping right now, right here. And something, oh no, we're not. The worship was before when we were singing. No. 
When we're magnifying God, when we're elevating God, that's, that's worship. But let me challenge you. You know, if you're worried about your voice or worried about what people think, we're called to make a joyful noise, and that's going to sound different for every single one of us. Try to get involved with the singing part of our worship service. I think you'll be surprised how much that can change you. And again, I'm not saying you have to you know, sing loud and scream it out, but make a joyful noise. Connect with the words, connect with the melody. Let it be a balm to your heart. That's an old term, balm, B-A-L-M. With some kind of something that soothes your heart. And I know, you know, especially, you know, guys were not like, eh, singing, but it's like, when I finally get over it and just said, you know, I'm going to make a joyful noise unto my Lord, the words got in my heart. The words got in my head. And I guess what? It, sometimes it would carry me throughout the week. You know, a certain tune or whatever. And it changed who I was. Couple questions, and then we're going to finish it up. Do you visit the word from time to time, or has it taken up residence in your heart? Studying is good, but guess what? If you can take it with you, it's a lot easier. Is your first thought to talk to God or use his word when you need to make a decision or give advice? Or is it just something off the top? This book has got to be the basis of how we live. And guess what? Everything, everything in this life, this book can give us direction and answer to. How mind-blowing is that? How mind-blowing is that? Everything that pertains to life and godliness. We can go to this book and figure something out. There's a principle. There's a guideline. There's something. And we've got to remember to go to it, go back to it every time. So all in all, we take all of this and put it together, and God's people are called to live like Jesus. Ooh, it's like, you know, we're back in Sunday school, aren't we? Live like Jesus, be like Jesus. And, you know, it's, it's literally that simple. And I think we struggle with simple. It's got to be harder than that. The Christian life must be challenging, more challenging than that. And it's not. And we can't dismiss it. Well, that was Jesus, and he's God, and I think sometimes we use that as this, I can never be like that. Well, guess what? As a Christian, if you're calling yourself Christian, his spirit is in you, and it's possible. Let me just clear that up for you right now. Verse 17 is, Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Serve like him, love like him, think like him, live like him. He's given us the, thing, the tools to do it. The articles of clothing, so to speak. You just have to walk in the closet and put them on. And it's one of those things where the more you put them on, the more the part of who you are becomes that way. That's the cool part. Our actions should reflect Christ. Our, our emotions should reflect Christ. Our thoughts should reflect Christ. And when they do, 
this will all culminate into thankfulness to the Father. That's ultimately, I mean, when I'm in the right place at the right time in the right circumstances and everything that's going on around me, all I can do is look up. There are countless times where I go, Lord, you are blessing my life more than I deserve. And it's awesome. But it's also living his way, choosing his precepts, his principles. And sometimes they are challenging and sometimes they are overwhelming, but they're worth it. Putting these things on and living in these ways are worth it. Oh, but you don't understand my circumstances. Probably not. But this is what God says. <laughs> We've got to trust him more than anything else. Also, this is the second time we are called to be thankful. And it is definitely directed toward God. Being thankful to the Father. That's another element that we need to be putting on on a regular basis. Focusing on what we do have versus what we don't have. And honoring God, glorifying him as a result. Otherwise, the enemy gets in. When we get focused on those things that we don't have or we think we need, the enemy can get in and the enemy can discourage and the enemy can derail. Don't give him ammunition. All our relationships should exhibit the character and love of Jesus Christ. His love is to shine through our lives. That whole idea of let's show heaven now. And I mean, this relationship here in this room should be vibrant with that. Loving for one another, caring one another, lifting one another up, admonishing one another. I mean, we should come in here. I mean, I'm excited to come here. My, you, as my brothers and sisters in Christ, always energize me to hear what God is doing and to share those things. I mean, they build me up and we need to be talking about those things more because it will cause us to serve like him love like him think like him and live like him that is the challenge will you choose to put them on let's pray father we do come before you this morning humbled again lord you provide everything we need and the only thing you ask is for us to put these things on. To allow them to be part of our life. And again, they create good things in our life. They embrace peace. And a better connection with you. And I pray, Lord, that as we walk out, here, out of here today, Lord, that your word will continue to change us. It will continue to restore and renew our thinking. That we would leave changed so that we can show the world around us just a, a little glimpse of heaven by our interaction with one another and by our interaction with them. Lord, help us to be salt. Help us to be light. And Lord, may our actions honor and glorify you Lord, equip us to praise you in a way that's going to magnify you and give you the most glory on a regular basis. And it's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen.
Have an awesome week.